RDT Systems, baby. Dog tested and dog tough. We've got those soft mouth dummies. Now listen, everybody knows that we need more bumpers. I'm not talking about one or two or three. I'm talking about adding bumpers to your repertoire. I like using white or black and white bumpers when I'm training my dogs for marks and even blinds. You can get the orange ones. I dig it. But add a bunch to your repertoire. And I'm again, I'm not talking about three to six. If you're working on T pattern, if you're working on blinds and pattern blinds, you need a bunch, a dozen, 18. The Soft Mouth Dummies by DT can't be beat. Check them out, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. DT Difference. Let's go. Our baby Gunner Kennels. Man, one of the things that I love about Gunner Kennels is they're thinking about our older hunting buddies. Old Buck, he hangs out in a gunner kennel when he goes to and fro. And in his, we've got the ortho pad. He's got the old joints. And, and even if your dog's not old like Buck, you just want a little bit of added protection as you're rolling down the road to keep that dog from bouncing around a little bit. So the ortho pad, super huge. If you got a younger dog that may dig a little bit, maybe chew a little bit, that performance pad is going to be clutch as well. So check it out. It's the full kit brought to you by Gunner Kennels, always innovating our industry and always keeping your dog safe. Sliding the dms if you'd like to learn more about getting you and your dog into a gunner kennel it's force fetch baby it's the number one question we get asked you don't know how to fix it let me help you let me get you to your goals we built a course bunch of videos i think there's 13 or 14 videos start to finish on how you and your dog can get through the force fetch process successfully the link's in the description be sure to check it out and let me help you and your dog What's up, everybody? Lone Ducks Gundog Chronicles. <laughs> That's right. Guys, we are here on the eastern shore hunting the Chesapeake Bay, some fields surrounding it, hanging out with our friends Matt and Josh and Kevin. <laughs> Josh is going to rip on that goose call. Let it fly and we'll talk about what happened in a minute you want me to rip on it like just like normal it. or how don't i was calling this morning don't sweat it give it to him There you go. There it is. Now, if anybody's been following our Instagram story and some of the photos we've tagged, that is Josh Stoner from Stoner Fowl. And yeah, okay. I think people and, get and that. He, and he full time guides for Talbot County Outfitters. Yep. Can't forget that. Now, their accent is funny. It's T A L B O T Outfitters. So and we'll we'll link that up and everything. Right. We'll we'll link that up on everything. Talbot. 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 But, Josh, honest to God, I've hunted with a lot of people, man. And I, there's maybe one other guy that I've hunted with that can rip a call like that and, and read the geese. There, so, 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 we gave Josh props and we, we screwed somebody else. Uh, 
dude, it, you know what I look at it? It's kind of like dog training, Matt. <laughs> it's kind of like dog training. People can read a dog, right? Agreed. Agreed. Josh can watch those geese in the air and hit notes that make them do what we want them to do he can read what they're about to do in the air and say all right we're turning them all right ease off or get back on them that's, these ones that's the 90% of the battle though is trying to read geese you could be a really good caller there's a lot of competition callers I know that are really good at it could you get them into a goose field and like kill birds yeah probably but you have to read the birds like Matt he could go out tomorrow he could sound like he just got a $20 call off the shelf can he read the birds and give them the notes that he wants? Yeah, he can. It'll kill birds. But That's the next right. Guy, That's right. If you don't know what to give to him, right. you're not going to kill anything on him. You know? Yeah. I, and, and, again, I think ducks or geese, it's all about what does that duck in the air respond to, and then once it responds, what do I do next? And, and that's something for me that I'm learning. I'm Every time I watch a duck – react to my call or not react to my call what did it do did it see something that it didn't like did i call too hard did i call too soft it didn't hear me um today josh we hunted in fog okay i mean it was thick fog like super thick fog geese in the mist yeah geese in the mist that's geese in the mist baby no it wasn't just geese we did kill some mallards and oh, and and a hen buffalohead. Oh God! I'll let Matt tell this story. What else do we kill, Josh? A loose stick mallard. Yeah. All right. So, so we're gonna explain what a loose stick mallard is. So if you go on to Matt at Goose underscore Creek underscore Sika S I K A or my page. It is. Stay in your it lane. Is. Stay in your, your lane. Instagram live. You're Instagram living. You stay in your lane, you're, you're producer. Swerving. You're swerving. Get back in there. Not a math guy. <laughs> Clear. No, we we've established you're not a math guy. So, so, so anyways, we didn't know what this was. Yeah. So we we shot this we shot this bird today, and in the chaos, everybody's yelling at me. Farm duck. <laughs> shoot no, duck. shoot the white shoot duck. The white shoot duck. the white duck. So. I get out of the blind. I don't know anything about it because I shot the regular, normal mallards. I have nothing to do with this white duck. That was a fat old green. It was, it was a fat old greenhead, though. Yeah. I, I'll, t- I'll claim my fame on the fat old <laughs> greenhead. But they're yelling at me, Matt, run, get the white duck. Run, get the white duck. And I'm like, I don't know where to run. Well, they're, you, you <laughs> forgot goes, that you left your glasses in the truck for the third day in a row. Third now. day in a row. Le- Matt you left can't his- see nothing. Okay, Matt's blind. Thanks, Josh. Everybody appreciates that. You're welcome. <laughs> Okay, if anybody didn't know that follows me, I'm blind as a bat. And if I don't have my glasses, I can't see anything. So everybody in this commotion is yelling at me, go get the white duck. And I don't know which way the white duck is. So they were, they just tell me, run this way. So I run, and I get like 20 yards from it, and I finally, finally I'm like, oh. 20 it's, yards, it's, finally it's, sees it. It's really a white duck. It's like actually a white duck. And then so Boomer's picking up another duck. I get the white duck. And at the moment, me and Josh talked about it. We were scouting a place to hunt tomorrow morning. We were riding down the road, and we were kind of talking about this duck. And 
I said, I was like, man, like, I didn't want to sound well, dumb. No, at first we were all like, oh, man, that's a funny farm, duck. Like, ha, ha, well, it's right, probably, yeah, it's well, probably like, somebody's pet. Back up, yeah. Whatever, you know. So, I'm, like, I'm joking on Instagram if everybody was, you know, watching. I'm like, ha, ha, just left the park, shot this duck, you know, whatever. But as I was walking back after the, you know, that wore off, I was kind of looking at it, and I was like, man, this is, like, the size of a mallard. It kind of looks like a mallard. Its bill's not short like a call duck. And I don't want to look stupid, so I don't say anything. And I just let it ride. Well, then Josh. And here, I'm in the pit thinking the same thing. I'm like, man, you can see it's got like a creamy color to it, white. <laughs> it's got the same shape, feet, everything. There's nothing crazy about it. And I'm like, gosh, I mean, could it be a farm dog? It's a farm yeah, dog. It's yeah. a farm Everybody dog. Everybody cool. says it's a farm dog. So I'm it's like, farm dog. just like Matt, I'm like, well, I don't want to be stupid. Right. And like, oh, I think it's a loose stick duck. So we're riding down the road, um, you know, this is earlier this evening, and, like, we kind of, like, slowly pick at each other, like, did you think that was a farm duck? <laughs> uh, so I said, screw it. Raise your hand if I you know thought that was of, a farm duck. <laughs> right. And a lot of people on social media will see Ben Pierce, okay? So I messaged Ben Pierce, and he, he deals with all kinds of hybrids and crosses and, like, just weird ducks like this, and he knows this stuff. He knows all the genealogy of it and everything. So I messaged him, and I said, hey, man, I don't want to sound stupid. I saw this duck, you know, in the summertime because, you know, down where we were hunting, the marina is where our crew boat left out of every day. So I would see this duck when, it, you know, this hen had, I think it was like 10 or 12 little ducklings. And I was like, oh, God, there's a little white duck. I was like, God, that's, you know, that's awesome. Seen it grow up, grow up, grow up, whatnot. So then I shoot this duck today, and then long story short, I was like, is this a farm duck, or do you think it has loose characteristics? And he said, well, it's a really cool bird, blah, blah, blah. I think, you know, by looking at it, by looking at it and stuff. Oh, God. But he said, yeah, by looking at it, you know, the the bill, the feet, the stuff and everything, um, you know, it looks like a color mutation for, you know, loose characteristics, so. There's that. There's his opinion. Now, is it confirmed? No, but it makes me and Matt feel good about ourselves. We don't <laughs> That's feel right. Stupid. We feel really That's good about That's the biggest ourselves. part, yeah. <laughs> so, we get this white duck, and we had the... The, the white duck. The great white guano. What was... Uh, remember oh. Ace Ventura? Remember <laughs> great that? Great white guano. The guano wasn't that the the no, yeah the but, bat but it was all about the guano yeah I don't know but that great white guano Something that like we that. shot <laughs> it turns out we still don't know the answer we'll probably never know but it's kind of cool to wonder and that's what you get when you go outside and you spend some time in the blind and hey Shoot ducks. we quote of the day today we had some quotes tomorrow maybe we'll talk about <laughs> quote of the day today is. If you're flying with the wild ones, you're going to die with the wild ones. That's right. <laughs> and we got all three of the mallards that came in. One happened to be white. So we had a great time. But one of the conditions that we dealt with today, you know, all right, how do I say this to not sound like a jerk? We drove from New York, right, me and Kevin. And we come down to Matt's house, and we're hunting with his buddies. 
Here, Here we, we go. go. We're digging deep. <laughs> yeah, we're digging deep. This one's going to sting, guys. Get ready. No, no. But things don't go according to plan. And weather doesn't go according to plan. And ducks and geese that you've scouted may not show up. So yesterday, boat didn't work. That thing, that stuff happens. I've had it happen to me, and it just so happened it happened to Matt. Like, these things happen. So we trained that morning. We went out and had a really fun hunt on kind of, Matt, what would you call it? Like, it's not a sandbar. It's a I mean, mini it's, island. It really is. a it's, it's a sandbar that's kind of formed into a little island. Yep. Right. And it had some vegetation on it. And we put a bunch of ducks out, or excuse me, decoys out. And we shot a sco- surf scoter, shot some buffalhead, fun shoot, cut yep. it up with the boys. We really had a good time, went to dinner. It was a fun hunt. Yep. And it wasn't Gentleman's a, week, man. Gentleman's, Gentleman's week. week. Right. So we had a great time. We made the best of the situation and had fun. But if the weather was chop, if the you know yeah. so seas we, we, were choppy and the we, wind was whipping. We left my house and the wind was blowing. We had cloudy skies. Everything looked perfect. And I left here like, you know, hey, man, we're, you know, we're going to get into them. And we get there. And as soon as we start putting out decoys, the wind lays down. It's glass. glass. I mean, you can see for, you know, as far as you can see, it's glass. Like pictures aren't even this still. It's glass. Just, what was it, you think, 25-mile-an-hour gust up here at yeah, your house? <laughs> we get down there, and like you said, we left the ramp, and it was like, oh, yeah, we got a nice little, what was it, a northeast wind? Yep, yep. Five to ten, perfect, going to do it nice. Get out there, fully set up. Nothing. 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 I mean, absolutely, absolute, like, nothing. my floor has more ripples in it than that water did. Yeah. And, like, you know, I'm a bad person to do tobacco products and smoke. And when I was smoking a cigarette, the smoke was literally just sitting Rising up into the air. Rising straight up into the air. So you know it's going to be a bad time. But we made the best of it. But we had fun. We shot some ducks regardless. And we we, we killed a surf scoter on land. So that was cool. And we shot some buffalo heads. We had fun. And that's really what it's all about. You know, just we got some good... Decent dog work in. Decent Bob dog shot, work. Bob shot a buffalo head hen at about four yards. Chicka da <laughs> Smoked it. So, like, 8 o'clock yesterday morning, I said, you know what? We're going to go down here, drive all this way. The first duck we're going to shoot is a hen buffalo head. Guarantee it. And like, oh, ha, ha, yeah, sure, okay. I'll be damned <laughs> if the first thing... That Bob pulls up on was a hen bufflehead and smoked it with the over and under at like 10 yards. And, and and not only did he kill this duck, he shot it about four yards and smoked it. I mean, roasted it right in the decoys. Everybody was like, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. And he never saw it. <laughs> no, I saw that son of a... It was... She was coming, baby. <laughs> and it was just doing it, right? It's just doing it right into the decoys, doing it perfectly. But they're on the other side of the blind. They can't see it. All they could see probably was, you, you know, it was coming. So now they're like, shoot it. Where is it? Shoot Some, it. It's, it's somewhere and I'm between just like, Bob and me. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm about to let her feet damn near touch the water. And pow. <laughs> you don't even need the second barrel on the over and she, under when she, you only need to kill it once. Guys. Just bear with me. It almost hit the bank. It, the dog never. She got her feet wet getting the duck. Last second. <laughs> Last second. Last second. 
you know it's good. Would you say you're approving, shooting an improved modified? Okay. When, when the you pattern pull up, covers the whole duck. Yeah, you shoot and kill on the first shot on a buffle head, well, any diver at that such, with an over and under, and you don't need that second shot, that's pretty stone dead if you ask me. Yeah. No doubt. So to move on from yesterday's hunt and talking about conditions where it's hunting, you know, we thought when we left Matt's house and drove 35, maybe 45 minutes, you know, yeah. not that far. And all of a sudden it's like glassy water. Well, this morning we showed up and we we hunted a soybean field, which knucklehead me killing, killing buffalo heads over corn, right? <laughs> Kidding around. <laughs> Shit. We was, haven't killed any buffalo heads over corn. We killed correct. over a soybean Over field. a soybean field we have. But, you know, anywho, we had a great time. But it was a soybean field in a pit blind with a freshwater pond, maybe 40 yards, 40 yards yeah. in front of us. And then, talk to me, the bay? Piece of the bay? No, no. So the so, part so of the Chop know. Tank River. Go ahead, say it again. Part of the Chop Tank River on the other side. Okay, so the Chop Tank River. Yep. Off. off of the Chesapeake Bay, yeah. So Josh has said it's a tributary off of the bay. And so, I mean, we saw some cans. We saw a bunch of buffalo head. And then there were thousands of Canada geese that were roosting in this little cove and bay. Okay? <laughs> and basically, these geese are coming up off of this bay that they're roosting, hitting this soybean field, hanging out in the freshwater pond. Ducks are using this freshwater pond. Life is good. Go ahead, Josh. Now... On a normal morning, they would literally get up, lift, stretch their wings a little bit, hit the soybean field. But like you said, with conditions, thick fog. Like, thick, very, you couldn't even walk. Like, like me and Matt's beards and mustaches were just nothing yeah. but wetness. Not my 14-year-old boy's mustache thick. Oh, yeah. This is, not this is thick. No. And what were they calling? Five to ten wind again? Not a nothing, not a not dead nothing. There was nothing going on in there, and so we, we just Crushing made it. the best out of it. And you know, it, what was it? Last night we were saying, oh, about nine nine thirty, we'll kill our first birds just because of the conditions. <laughs> well, it was also fifty degrees. Right. And, you know, sure as heck. What was it? Eight thirty. Maybe we shot into that first group of actual honkers. Yeah. But remember, we'd already killed mallards by then, and oh, yeah. and we shot our white duck. White duck. So white duck, yeah. the white duck takes the day, you know. Like the geese were cool, the mallards were great, but the white duck—that's that's the great white guano. Yeah, can we Google that, Kev? Get your phone out. Yeah, and we, Google. We get, uh, yeah, my phone's in your hand. Yeah, Sorry, buddy. Yeah. Here, Kevin's doubling. So, all right, now while well, Kevin's looking up the great white guano. I want to talk about some struggles we had. Real quick, uh, Megan, Matt, where's the muskrat? Oh. You want to, you want to get muskrat? Give me Hold on. Yeah, muskrat. we'll keep talking. You go get the puppy. Is it, is it, so the muskrat is a... It look like it says Megan. And also, Z Blondie said, hey, honey, where's my muskrat? Josh. I don't know who Google are. It's your phone. This is Matt's phone. We're getting Instagram live right now from Matt's followers and but he has a puppy in training so if, if if the one is looks like it's spelled mega hand that's my girlfriend 
Oh, and she's what's up, literally girl? In and Zoe, the Z blondie, is Muskrat's mama. Mama. Yep. So, so his girlfriend, his girlfriend. No, you should, you'll you see her tomorrow. She's all cool. He was supposed to be home an hour ago. Our bad. We're podcasting. No, I wasn't supposed to be home. I told him this is what we were doing. But all right, it's Matt. What do you expect? So let's talk about the dog work today. Um, well, you know, uh, he's getting the puppy, but we had Memphis, who's my female master hunter, bad to the bone, awesome dog. We had Boomer. Man, he's he's currently sleeping. He's right currently now. sleeping. Kevin Panda Boom. Boomer is maybe a little over a year old or so. I think he was 14, 16 14 months? to 16 months old. But he is actually running master level work. So at a very young age, Boomer has shown a lot of promise, a lot of discipline and control in a very, very nice hunting dog and hunt test competitor. Congrats to Matt on all that. But we had some struggles today that I want everybody to know about because everybody texts and Instagrams and Facebooks. Hey, he, we got some muskrat here. Hey, pause now. that. The muskrat. So everybody texts and Instagram questions. My dog breaks. My dog whines. My dog won't pick up a duck. My dog won't pick up a goose. My dog will pick up ducks but won't pick up a goose. My dog will... Uh, hold on. Yeah. My dog uh, only breaks when the, you know, the birds land. It won't break when they're working. Or my dog will freaking break when geese are setting in the decoys. Well, let me tell you, Matt and I are professional dog trainers. Guess who had issues today? <laughs> professional dog professional trainers. Professional dog trainers. So, first pill to swallow was mine and it was a big one and a dangerous one like i want to hammer home yeah we're hunting out a pit blind our heads are eye level to the ground memphis's blind is to my right in a momarsh invisalab that's kind of you know on the ground right and she we we pull up these geese came from a quarter mile away honking we're honking. Josh is working that call like you heard in the beginning of, of the episode. And they're doing it. And they're just low and slow, baby. And so she's got time to just watch these big honkers coming our way. Honk, honk. Josh is working the call. Our friend Mac, who guides with Josh, working the call. So we got two goose calls going. We're folded up. In the pit blind, so I can't talk to her or see her. Well, I can talk to her, but I can't see her. She can't see me. We flip the lid over, pop out, kill them, boys. Boom, 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 boom. Guess who's gone? Memph. She broke so hard, so fast. When I yelled at her, she didn't stutter step or think twice. She picked up the goose and came back like she did okay. I can't... F emphasize enough how dangerous this is. Yep. And and just to add on that, so I was at the far left-hand side of the blind because I was running Boomer, and I we, you know, kind of conversing about the whole situation later. 
um, kind of conversing about the whole thing later, I made the comment that I never saw the dog until, until she was late. almost to the goose. Right. So it was just kind of a good thing that I had already took her to the plug. Right. <laughs> and, you know, the guys on my side of the blind couldn't shoot. Well, so I'm standing right next to Matt in the pit, and hey, I got maybe one, one shot off at a far bird, and, you know, I was swinging around to the bird that Memphis was actually going after, saw it, went head down, and then right at that second, I see a flash of black. So I pulled the gun up, and luckily Max saw it, you know. I think Matt saw it at the same time, and we were like, whoa, okay, no more shooting. One dog is in the pond, yep. the other one's dead in the weeds, and the other one, okay, yeah, the one dog. Goose is in the pond. Yeah. Not dog. Well, one dog was in the I pond. I said one's down in the <laughs> pond. And, you know, we just, luckily, you're hunting with smart enough people that can recognize that situation. But, boom. But that's, that's where people run into issues where it gets dangerous, where the dog breaks, guys aren't paying attention, guys are just amped up because, you know, the geese are right there in their face, and that's how accidents happen. Right. That's how accidents happen. And that's why we all, as trainers, emphasize steadiness is key. And my dog, Memphis, jacked up. She is high drive, ready to roll, a really talented animal, but she can't sit still. Well, she can, but today she couldn't. And so here's what I did. I tied her up. Amateur yep. style, but what's best for the dog and the hunt. Like, I didn't want to ruin anybody else's hunt by correcting her or having her break again or whatever the case may be. I ate my ego and said, you know what? We're tying this dog up. And so I would, every time she got to retrieve, I'd unsnap her, send her, run a blind, you know, step up out of the pit, run a blind. She did beautifully. And the other thing is I, I corrected her. Yes. Can I define what I did? I also want to admit that I was overly hard on my dog. I lost my patience, which none of us should do. Okay. Agreed. But I think I lost my patience out of emotion, right? Like fear. My dog could have just died. Okay. My, someone could have shot her or whatever. I mean, at the bare minimum, she just did a really bad thing. You could lose your patience over that. I get it. But like we were shooting geese 10 yards from her head. Not safe. So I got on her butt. And what that means is I got on her butt and I swatted her and I got her in that Momar stand and I made her stay in it. And then on the next round of volleys, I didn't touch my gun. This is a this is something I want to touch on. Like as much as I wanted to kill birds, I drove seven yeah. hours to kill birds. Guess what I did? I put and my gun down. There. Sat there with his dog. I sat there with my dog. I put my e-collar on a little bit hotter than normal. And I watched. Sit, Nick, sit. Sit, Nick, sit. Geese are coming in. Sit, Nick, sit. And, and guess what? Even though she was tied up, never even attempted to break again, and I got to continue shooting. But I used it as a training scenario. Every chance I got, and I worked her through it. 
and will probably good be good for a few more hunts. Yep. But the dogs who are worth anything might break. What and that's a good dog. It's it's never it's never if they'll break, it's when they'll break. A dog a dog that I want to have, the dog that I want to own, a dog I want to train, it's never if they'll break. It's just when they'll break. When they'll break. And then getting a correction in because a dog that doesn't want to break doesn't want to do the job. Exactly. So a dog that second guesses itself and is like, oh, you know what? (laughs) I better sit here and then they'll let me, they'll let me get the bird. That's the dog you want to have. Right. It's not the dog that doesn't want to do it. It's the dog that wants to break, but thinks twice about it. Exactly. So Memph broke and I corrected her and I corrected her harshly. And we got the point across, and then she was mint the rest of the way. Now, second thing that happened, we dumped some geese. It was a three-pack. One cripple sailed into the bay. Probably 200 yards out. Dead. Deader than dead, right? So, I'm me and men for hunting for the other ones. Matt takes my whistle, takes Boomer over to the shoreline. Dead bird, good right there, back. And Boomer, who, again, he's young, but he's very, very talented. And he runs master level work. Has he passed a master test? Yeah, he's got two master passes. Two master passes at 16 months 16 old or whatever. Old, yeah. I mean, that's that's some raw talent right there. And a 200-yard, pretty simple open Honestly, water blind. A, a two- 200 yard open water blind is a joke and that's that's where i was with it at the whole the whole time all i hunt is open water yeah so all that dog ever sees is open water this should be a a walk in the park so i'm thinking to myself hey memph she's older and this is i'm gonna say it. this is arrogant on my part and i told matt this earlier hey let boomer get it this is gonna be great experience for him right Go get that goose. You know, it's it's way out there. It's a good, easy blind is what I thought. There's nothing yeah, in his a, way. It's a good, easy, like, you know, you'll Just get go, out baby. there to that, like, 140, 150 mark. And then he'll and see, it. see it. And be like, oh, man, this is why I'm out here. And confidence will go through Heck the roof. Yeah. And he'll be, yes. he'll be glad he did it. Right. Well, guess what? We Boomer. hit that 120-yard mark. And, he, and I, not to preface what you're going to say. Yeah. But this happened to both dogs. We hit that 120-yard mark, and both dogs kind of hit a wall. And there was exactly. a, there was a wind line in the water, and they hit that wind line in the water, and we're like, and they I just don't wouldn't know go what further. to do. So after Boomer didn't do it, I'm like, all right, you know, we'll we'll do Memph. Thinking older, more experienced, do these all day long. If you set this up in training, yeah, I'd be uh, like, that, that was are you kidding me? This is easy. Yep, yep. Boom, let's do it. But both dogs hit a hung up, a hang up, right? And it, and I'm telling spot. you, after I watched it and like reflected on it, the the water was glass. And then at about a hundred yards, it the it, wind yeah, line, about 120, 140 yards. There was that a wind, wind line. line came in, and they'd hit that wind line, and then they'd ping pong. Ping ponging means they'd go over, stop them, cast them, and you'd cast back because they got to dig back, and they'd go over. No, yep. sit back nope they'd go over and they just hit a wall it was an invisible 
wall that these dogs hit. And we've got two very talented dogs that frustrated us, disappointed us, uh, upset us. And we had to like swallow that pill that nobody wanted to swallow in a hunting situation that was disappointing. Like we expect a lot of our dogs. We do this for a living, especially when the dog is of the level that they're capable and they're capable of doing the work. Yes. When something happens and you hit that, you know, whether, whether it's a, a a mental wall for the dog or even you, right. You're expecting, you know, X and you're getting Q. Yep. And you just can't get frustrated with the dog. Well, here's one thing that I think we both did right. And both did wrong. I think we both wrong were disappointed and frustrated. I know I took a little bit of frustration out on Memph when she broke, but that was for her life, right? Like I did not agreed, agreed. Like she could have gotten shot. Now, when she didn't run a great blind, was I disappointed? Yes. Did I take it out on her? Absolutely not. And neither did Matt when Boomer didn't do it. We were both bummed. We were both frustrated. There, I think there, anybody there was around a lot us, of no here's, no here. Yeah, I think we but were that both was pretty bummed out. And everybody around us knew we were bummed that our dogs didn't do something we know they're capable of doing. But we didn't take it out on the dog, okay? And that's something that I want everybody to hear again. We didn't take it out on the dog. Exactly. Okay? Because at the end of the day... Regardless of what situation you're in, if your dog won't do exactly what you were asking it to do, it's because the dog in their head hasn't seen it before. And if they haven't seen it before, they don't understand it. Sure. So life lessons. And one thing I also want to point out, and this is going to be an excuse for Memph and Boom, is there's some things that they saw today that they haven't really seen in a while. Agree. Again, we hunted out of a pit blind. Boomer and Memph have Memphis picked up a goose in September. Boomer hasn't picked up a goose since last season. So we had hang-ups in our training and lack thereof, if you will, even though they get trained every single day that they just they were rusty on and you got to and we we're telling Josh cuz Josh is about to get a dog and I want to touch on that. Let's get oh, off this subject definitely. Uh, and talk about Josh's puppy. But um, they had some they they had some hang ups, and we worked through them. And I think tomorrow we're gonna hunt the same blind. Yep. We're gonna hunt the same exact setup, and I guarantee you, both dogs are gonna be more successful tomorrow. All right, Josh. Now I want to reference a okay. previous episode with Barton Ramsey from Southern Oak Kennels. And so if you haven't listened to previous episodes, scroll on back, baby, and listen to Barton Ramsey because our man Josh, and actually if you've heard us talking about muskrat that Matt's training, that puppy's from Southern Oak. She's a sweetheart. She's sitting here on the couch. She's right here with us right now. We got Boomer here on the couch. and She she can't talk. She she can't talk. And muskrat here (laughs) sitting with us on the couch. What's her real name, Matt? Her real name is Vaughn. But she was such an itty-bitty little thing. When she came here, I decided to call her the muskrat because when she swam, all you saw was her head and a little itty-bitty bit of her back. And it was it was a tongue, twi- tw- tongue twister, much like Sally sells seashells. Yeah. But um, So I started calling her the muskrat because she was so small and it kind of stuck. 
So the muskrats here on the couch with us. Boomers here on the couch with us. And uh, yeah, I'll give the microphone over to Josh. You guys can chat about it. But Barton Ramsey, cool dude, breeds and trains British Labradors out of Mississippi. And Josh is getting one. Yep, I uh, drive down next, what's it, Wednesday with my girlfriend. We're headed down to uh, Oklahoma there to uh, pick up a new uh, red dog male out of a uh, red and Leah litter. And we'll bring him home and, you know, give him the old puppy lovings and probably till, what, end of January, middle of February. And then we're actually going to send them over to Matt here at Goose Creek Sicka. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, oh, because, I mean, just being friends with Matt for so long. And we finally ended up, you know, meeting a few months back in person. Because, I mean, obviously in this industry, you're going to have friends with a lot of people that are over social media, texting, calling, Hey, man, we need to get together, do this, do that. Well, we finally did it, and it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, this guy's great. He has a good program going on down here. His dogs are phenomenal. And luckily for the girlfriend, which me too, he's only 25, 30 minutes down the road. So, oh, he's – I'm getting the dog for, you know, he's definitely going to be a guide dog. He's going to be hunting, you know – He'll hunt in the November split a little bit, but then from that opening day in December, which today was a you know first day of goose season here in Maryland for the last split until the end of January, and then from there on out, he'll probably be gunning you know five six days a week, Sundays to rest days because you can't hunt near Maryland. But so, I'm super pumped. So I Josh, wait. I want to ask you a question about dogs and being a guide, right? Yeah. Biggest pet peeve of a dog in a in the blind okay so and luckily Corey, who's the guy i work for that owns top county outfitters he has two dogs one sign one's bam now what i like about them is say me or mac which is the other guy that i work with we could take either one of those dogs out into the field with us handle them get them the you know retrieve birds listen to us you know he's not say aggressive towards the other clients just because he doesn't know them blah 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 you know it's good but then when you go so <coughs> excuse me me and mac guided out west into the uh, the snow goose migration you know starting from arkansas up to south dakota um you have people that come out there and they're like hey man do you mind if my dog hunts with us today right. and it's like okay how many guys are in your group? So, and they pull a Memphis. Well, no, not necessarily <laughs> that. But now if they have exclusive fields, which it's their whole group, say there's like eight guys and they're all in the same group, yeah, sure, you know, you can bring your dog out. But the second that it either, A, you know, messes up the hunt for other guys in the field with us, even the guys that you're hunting with, or B, it does something, you know, and unfortunately like today happened, does something dangerous – we don't want that on us to either be a problem or something traumatic to happen. So we just, you know, the first sign of that, it's like, hey, man, you know, why don't you put the dog in the truck? It's, you know, for safety reasons only. And then there's other reasons that it's like, 
there's literally a single Ross goose 10 yards away, and it takes the guy 20 minutes to get the dog to pick up the bird. He's like, oh, he's a, a super hunter retrieving master series grand master champion. The whole line goes on. He's probably making up half of this stuff. And the dog literally just came out of like a PetSmart. You know, he yeah. adopted the dog from PetSmart and was like, ah, I'm going to take a hunting with us today. Sure. And that's the biggest thing. Now, if you say, hey, man, my dog's young. It hasn't really hunted much, but I've been working with her. And it's just you and your friends that are in the group together. Now, we won't. If it's like three guys in one group and then six in another party, no. If we got our own dogs, yeah. But if it's, you know, two different groups, no, we won't use it. Sure. And we'll let them use it. And if it does great, awesome, you know. We'll let the dog get, you know, not a majority of the birds, but enough to where you're comfortable with a young dog doing this, doing that. And, I mean, we go about it from there. Sure. Yeah, again, I think if he had to say one thing that I, I picked up on, again, the, the golden rule is safety. Like, A, whining's annoying. We get it, but, God, we can all live with it. A dog that runs in front of gun barrels? No. No. And there's a uh, one of the guys I used to guide with a few years ago. He would literally tell the clients in the morning, like during the safety meeting, he's like, you know, you shoot my dog, I'll shoot you. You know, obviously he's joking. At that yeah, point, but I but get it. That's the severity. Just be mindful. And that, and uh, I should have said that sooner too. If there's a guide that has a dog, the people you're hunting with have to be mindful of that dog. They have to keep a low eye. They have to watch just in case the dog breaks. And it's just, oh, man. Good point. And just to touch on that again, that's not just hunting with a guide. That's hunting with anybody. No matter what, you know, what the dog. Uh, Bob's dog, Memphis, master title dog. Boomer here, a couple master passes, young up-and-coming dog. It doesn't matter what the capabilities of the dog are. If you're hunting with a dog, no matter whose dog it is, you have to keep an eye for the dog. Sure. Going back to what I said earlier, those geese were already down, and I never saw Bob's dog until the last minute, which was perfect for the scenario because everything was still safe, and I under, you know, understood. It worked out. It worked out. Gra- exactly. Grateful it worked out. It could have not, and I want everybody who listens to this to understand that I understand and we all understand that it could have not worked out and God forbid it. The other thing is that I want to touch on is like cripples, shooting cripples. Okay. Now I'm sending a dog out on our retrieve and actually we had this happen today. Two geese uh, were crippled. We thought they were more dead than they were. And as soon as we sent the dog, sure as heck, man, heads popped up and they started trucking. They were gone. And now yep. me and Matt are running out there. Two dogs are out there, and we're trying to get ahead of the dogs and, and snap some rounds off yep. to, to put them down. But that's another thing with having steady dogs. When, when your dog is truly steady and you can just run up to the bank, your dog's there with you. At heel-ish. Bob, heel-ish, yeah, right there. And Bob and I are shooting these geese, and the dogs are right there, not worried about, like, they're worried about what go, what's going on, but they're not breaking. They're under, right. They understand their job. 
and going back to what I do most of the time, hunting divers, sea ducks, things like that, that's the rule of thumb. If the dog's in the water, nobody else is shooting. Yeah. Somebody like myself or, you know, Josh, whoever, is taking care of cripples. Everybody else just hands down. Right. To be honest with you, I would rather be a poor conservationist and lose a duck Agreed. than have my dog shot or someone else's dog shot and have to witness that and deal with that. So a duck is not worth your friend who's next to you in the pit, and a duck is not worth your dog. So, Agreed. So Agreed. let it get away if you think you might put your dog in danger or your friend in the blind with you in danger. So, all right, that's my PSA. That's some, that's some PSA, public service announcement, if you don't know what that means. All right, let's sidebar it. Go ahead, Josh. No, he, he reached for the mic. We're going to let him handle it. No, I was going to say, once we get further down the line with my dog, when Matt gets to training him, you know, we'll we'll be fortunate enough to take the dog down there maybe with a few other dogs too and work yeah. out of that pit that we were hunting the, in the, the day. The same place we were hunting. Same, same scenario, place, you know, Josh will be hunting. set up some geese, you know, some decoys and stuff. And then, uh, you know, just work dogs out of the mow marsh and stuff and just get them used to it because we'll be hunting a lot of pits down here, you know. No doubt. All right, Josh. Um, I want to talk about tomorrow's hunt, what our game plan is, and Matt's going to jump into, but I want to talk about our game plan tomorrow and what we learned today and how, first of all, we were successful today. We smacked mallards in a soybean field and we got our limit, not common, and we got our limit of an alluistic. Leucistic, but okay. We'll we'll roll with it. Possible leucistic. Leucistic. Possible. Or a farm duck. Uncle Uncle, Uncle Willie's farm duck. Or Aflac is just out of business now. Right. He gone. (laughs) He gone. Shoot or shoot, baby. So I want to talk about what we learned today with what the geese did, what the ducks did. Are we going to change anything? And do we have... Anything we learned from today to do tomorrow? So, I mean, looking at the weather, it's pretty much going to be the same thing. The only thing that's going to help us is the wind is actually going to pick up to about 10 to 15 out of the northeast, which is the way that pit's set up. And, uh, you know, the weather's going to be same, maybe a few degrees warmer. It's still going to be a chance of rain. I imagine we'll deal with fog again in the morning. You know, but obviously for the ducks that didn't matter. They flew early. We know we shot them. Uh, and with the fog, he said, you know, when it's foggy, how does that change the game plan? Well, it it kind of necessarily takes them out of their normal habits that they've been doing all week. So instead of you know getting up, you know, seven thirty, eight o'clock, that they like they usually been hitting the soybean fields because it's been cold, you know. And some geese, it's not cold enough to freeze the water. I mean, some of them had skin lice on the pond during the earlier parts of the week, but they just get into, like, that panic mode. They're like, ah, I need to keep my water open a little bit more. So they'll leave at, like, 8.30, 9 o'clock, sometimes 8 o'clock, go and feed, jump back to wherever they were. Um, But with this fog, they kind of lose their bearings, and they're like, ah, I can just hold tight. It's kind of warm. I don't necessarily need to feed right now. But at some point, I'm going to get up and fly. 
And the geese that we ended up shooting this morning were ones that just either were jumping from water to water. We caught them in the cross section, and they just happened to play along and read the notes right. And then a couple of them just actually came off the water, but it was, what, 9, 9.30, I think, is when we shot the first geese. So, <coughs> excuse me. And they were just the early risers, and we plucked them out. But the best thing is, once the birds started to really fly at about, what was it, 11.45, 12 o'clock, we had got our limited geese, we had shot those few ducks, we were picked up in the trailer, in the truck, leaving, the birds started flying again, the real mass of them. So that allows us to get back into the field tomorrow morning. You know, we'll probably have the same scenario. Um, we're, unfortunately, we're going to have to meet again so early because Matt, I know, doesn't like to wake up that early. Uh-huh. But it's okay. If we want to shoot... Shots fired. Shots fired. If we want to shoot a couple more ducks like we did this morning, you know, we got to get in there early because you know, that's just the nature of the duck, you know. Unless it's just brutally cold, then first crack of light, they always fly first. But yeah, we'll go in tomorrow with the same game plan and hopefully the same results, maybe, if not a little bit sooner. Now, one thing that you brought up today that, to be honest with you, I never really thought about, and I'm going to explain why. Kevin and I and our group of friends, we're, we're shooters. We're killers. We're killers, baby. Shooter, shoot. Shooter, shoot. Okay? So we don't get the chance to hunt the same field over and over again right. or the same spot over and over again. And so if a group of X comes in, we're shooting. If a group of Y comes in, we're shooting. You made a comment today. We had a really large group that we couldn't see, could not see. Okay, I know know what you're asking. Yeah, we couldn't see them, but it was a ton of geese. It was probably a couple hundred, yeah. Right. And you're like, we're not shooting those if they come in. Don't shoot. And we were hunkered down, and we were calling to them. Explain, you know, small groups. Explain X amount of groups that you would shoot at and then others you wouldn't and why. So in the scenario he's talking about, there was directly behind us maybe five, 600 yards. It was in a couple thousand geese that were roosting right there on the big water. And like I said, they were just getting up, hopping over the hedgerow, boom, hitting the soybean field. Well, at a point in time, a large portion of them jumped up. And I don't know if it was a boat, something swam through the decoys, they didn't like what it was. But it was probably two, three hundred of them. And they were getting loud, they were getting close. And yeah, we looked over and like, guys, we're not going to shoot into this group. And you can kind of see they were puzzled a little bit. But then once I explained why, they said, oh, okay, it makes sense. But if you shoot in the big groups like that, it's literally the first day of the last split of goose season. You don't want to burn up that field. You don't want to educate all those geese. You don't. You want them to continue using that field because the way it works around here in some spots on the shore, they'll hit that field every day. If new birds come in that next week, they're just playing follow the leader. They'll hit that field with them. Now, some will they eat some of them out? And there's a lot of old-timers that will actually run the birds out of their field if they're in it. And I know some people are like, what in the world are you doing pushing all these geese out of your field? And I'm not talking like 100, 200 geese. If there's like seven, eight, nine thousand geese in a big giant two, three hundred acre soybean or cornfield, 
they'll go run them out of there. And they're like, oh, you're crazy. Don't do that. Well, they're going to eat it out, and then they're just going to hit the next one on the last part of the season. So if one, you keep them out of there, you can do that. Two, don't shoot in the big uh, groups just so you can save that field. Don't educate the birds. So our rule of thumb is if it's 20 or less, we'll give them our best. So we'll, you know, if 15 come in, we got six, seven guys, yeah, we'll shoot into them because we can knock a fair amount down if they do as planned, come to five, ten yards. But uh, anything over 20 this early in the season, we try to really not get into those kind of groups. So, yeah, like, you know, if a couple hundred birds were coming, you know, you let them play. If they're going to land, they're going to land. That's fine. If they get down, you're not shooting at them. Um, some people like to let their dogs run them up. I know it's not the best thing to do. But, yeah. And then – <laughs> we try to, you know, at least let them play, let them get out of there on their self. And, uh, yeah, that's what we make the best of it. But, um, and then, <sighs> I mean, you know, he rest, he asked what the rest of the year looks like. So the amount of geese in the areas that we hunt right now, it looks healthy. There's a lot of geese there, and we're only going to get more. It's only, you know. Like I said, it's only opening day of the last split. So we got until the end of January into February, the first week, to kill geese. And, you know, we can't hunt on Sundays. So from Monday to Saturday, somewhere around where we hunt on the shore, they'll be getting hunted. But we'll get a lot of new geese in. We'll get a lot of geese from PA. We'll get a lot of geese from New York up by you guys. We'll get a lot of geese from the Finger Lakes, you know. And anytime you guys get snow up there and we don't, we love it. Because they come down here and they're comfortable Ooh, and they're here to son stay. Of a That's fine. But you cold. you guys get them in early season when we we don't get them just yet. Truth. Next time I miss a goose, I'm going to be sure to say, like, oh, man, Josh is going to get that next one for me. That's for you, buddy. Exactly. That's all if you. If you miss him. I'm just doing you a favor. And he comes down and he looks straight down at that blind without even looking. I know that Kevin shot at him. Kevin shot at Kevin him. Kevin shot at if, him. If he has one pellet in yeah, his one foot. Ho- one hole in his fuck in his foot, just in just that crusty, webbing. just uh, Kevin, dirty. Kevin shot oh, at him. We uh, didn't the the scoter we shot yesterday didn't have it all. Here, I'll let Mac point on that. So so talking about how tough these sea ducks are, how tough they are to kill, everything like that. Um, we've killed. Uh, what two or three birds in the past two days that had completely healed up? You know, uh, how do you want to say permanent? Um, completely um, healed up permanent scars, holes in their feet from being shot at. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a shout out to Jeff Coates, Pitbull's waterfowl. My man. I'm pretty pretty sure one of them was from him. He had a, he <laughs> let had him a, come he, in. He let had him a whole come in. Smooth th- <laughs> let him get here. Let him get here. That's right. He had a hole smooth through his foot where he had truly been sh- – the, the duck had been shot before, healed up, got himself together, migrated again, and he was good to go. Yeah. Dude, it's super cool being a waterfowl hunter and, I mean – killing bands seeing where they're from i had a friend actually this is uh we're gonna go into a rabbit hole digress here but my friend hunter 
who's from South Carolina. We train dogs together. A good friend of mine. I stayed at his place. You know, every time I have a hunt test down there, he's got my model duck mounted for me. Mm-hmm. He shot a wood duck in his little wood duck hole behind his mom's house, right? He's been hunting there for, you know, I don't know. He's probably. Everybody's got their famous wood duck hole. That's right. He's probably in his late 20s. He's been hunting there since he was able to hunt. Kill the wood duck. Sends me a message with the image from the band registry. Hey, is this near you? It was literally banded an hour away from me in New York. That's and crazy. All the way to South Carolina. Yep. And it was banded a couple of years ago. Like that is some cool stuff. And so these birds are hardy. They live a long time. They travel. And and we're traveling with them, man. Like Josh hunts. Not this year. He's he's done traveling a little bit. He's gonna take a breather. But he He's hunted from Arkansas all the way to the Dakotas and back, hunting snows and Canadas and ducks, following the migration. And and these birds get educated. They get shot at. They have to find food. They have to navigate cities and weather patterns. So, you know, getting on to the navigating cities and, you know, so many trips back and forth on the migration. It was uh, two years ago I was hunting in Mound City, Missouri for a conservation snow goose hunt. And uh, there was maybe 10 minutes left of shooting light. And uh, a single, big old, big greasy single snow comes in, real low to the ground, didn't really make a peep. Just one of those old warriors, you knew, that was like, you know what? It's my time to just get shot. <laughs> it's just my time. Kamikaze. So, you know, the client shoot, some one guy sails it out, and uh, it lands maybe 700 yards away in this straight, flat cornfield, which if I had a dog at that point would have been perfect. I didn't have to go over there, didn't waste my breath. Yeah, I'll have one now. But anyway, it was like five minutes left. I was like, all right, guys, you know, the kind of the shots are kind of going to be over. There's not much of a flight anymore right now. We had shot birds. We, I think we had 40 or 50 on the day. And uh, I said, I'm going to go pick up that cripple before it gets away or a coyote gets it because, you know, whatever. But the one guy was like, hey, man, do you mind if I come with you? And I was like, Okay, sure, yeah, that's fine. So he walks over with me, goes to the four-wheeler. He was like, man, I just got a feeling it's banded. I said, ah, yeah, I'm sure it's banded. And we go out there, and we're walking up to it, and the chicken hawk's eating it. I'm like, ah, damn it, you know, the hawk's eating it, whatever. He's like, oh, it's fine. Roll it over, and I'll be damned if that bird wasn't banded. No way. And it was so worn down and rusty. It had rivets in it from rubbing on its legs so much. And we got in the truck and looked it up. That snow goose was 21 years old. No way. Drinking age. 21 years old, snow goose. Wow. He's done that trip. uh, 42 times. Nah, man, yeah, 42 trips. And he wasn't but, you know, maybe a four or five pound little lesser, a little lesser snow. He wasn't huge by any means. Oh, so... Now, around here in Maryland, he asks, how can you tell the difference between a lesser and a greater? In Maryland, we'll get predominantly the greater snow geese, which is a whole different species of snow geese. They're a lot larger. They kind of tend to get towards the size of honkers around here and stuff. 
Um, and then the lessers will obviously be lesser snow geese about the size of lesser Canada's, maybe a little bit bigger. Um, and so visibly, when you put visibly, one next that's, to the other, you're oh, like, this is not just a baby. This night is a and day. Baby. Yep, night and day. Like that. Like that one honker we shot today. Gosh, that thing looked 15 pounds, and the other one was maybe eight, eight and a half pound Tiny. bird. It was two, three times the size. But yeah, just visible reference, you can tell. And um, it's lessers. There's a lot more numbers of them out in the Midwest and the Central and, you know, <coughs> excuse me, Mississippi Flyways. Um, around here, the graders, they'll be in big numbers and feeds and stuff. They're a lot tougher to hunt. If you can do it, everything's got to be perfect. Conditions got to be right. But you can shoot triple digits, you know, almost every time you go out. As opposed to out there, you know, you hit that century mark, you know you're doing something. That's unreal, man. That's unreal. So, boys, I got a few uh, comments to make here. Um, one thing that I really appreciate and respect about coming down to Maryland, this is year two for me coming down to hunt here. Uh, and hopefully a lot of hunting in the future, making new friends, having a good time. Um, greatly appreciate the hospitality. But one thing I really appreciate is the uh, nostalgia and history around waterfowling. And just over, I mean, we, we've learned about watermen around here. Everybody out crabbing, fishing, uh, you know, spending time working on the water. And, and so it's been incredible. But there's a lot of waterfowl history, and so when you come back here, it's almost like going back in time and having some level of appreciation for the decoy carving and the paintings, the the old duck guns. Man, I, you boys are making fun of me right now, but I but I love it. Um, I, it's just it's just so cool. And so, is there something about it that that really speaks to you? Because because honestly, it's it's unique for me, and, and it, we don't get that at home. Um, people at home hunt and they hunt deer and it's like, Oh, you were, you're out hunting. Did you have a good year this year? Did you, did you kill a deer? I, you know, well, yes, I did. Bob, did you suck it? Yep. And, uh, but, but, you know, but, but for me, it's like, yeah, I, I went out this weekend, you know, how was your hunting weekend? Yeah. You know, we shot a pheasant or two and, you know, a handful of ducks and then just had a good time. Dog had some good work. It's just different. But here, you know, driving around, there's there's blinds everywhere. You, you know, it it's just different. Yeah, man. It, every field yeah. you pass has a blind. It's just different and it's unique and it's cool. It's nostalgic. I mean, it it's it's Maryland's Chesapeake Bay. You know, the the Ward Brothers decoys, the Haverty Grace, Maryland. Um, you know, there's there's a museum dedicated to both Haverty Grace, you know, decoy museum. Ward Brothers Museum in Salisbury, Maryland. Um, this area, just, you know, the rich waterfowl heritage, everything. Can I stop you? Sure. Can you it, can you explain Ward Brothers and Have a Grace, and if people want to Google it, how they can find it, and then continue with your story? So, Have a Grace, um, let, me, let me pull up my phone. If, they're, if they really, if, if they're that interested, um, so Havity Grace is H A V space. It, it's it's three words. H A V. Bear with me, guys. Hold on. You're okay. No, you're good. So these museums are for us. They're for duck hunters. 
they're four guys who were market gunners when it was market gunning. It was for guys who there was no such thing as tangle free decoys or avian X. It was Bob down the road carved his own decoys and yep. went out agree. Yep. And they had the cork and they did it and they painted it one color here and one color there and gunned them. So Matt's looking up. What I want to do is have Matt give you a resource. So if you want to learn about this area and the nostalgia yeah, and so, history, he can help so you. So if you go to decoymuseum.com, you'll pull up Haverty Grace Decoy Museum. Um, it's H-A-V-R-E space D-E space G-R-A-C-E Decoy Museum. And that's that's, you know, Maryland's. From from the beginning to present day, that's Maryland's heritage right there. Right, right in the northeast corner of Maryland, right there on the bay, upper upper part of the bay, right off the Susquehanna Flats. You know, that's it created all of us. Well, you know? you know, again, for the first thing you said, you know, nostalgia, everything like that. Um, the first thing you said a minute ago, nostalgia and you know, you know history and everything. My grandfather is the reason that I hunt as hard as I do and I do everything I do. And, you know, his, his stories about, you know, hunting over his dogs and his decoys and everything like that is is why I do this. And, and that's what sparked that interest in me and that's what brought me to where I am today. And even his dogs are why I train dogs. You know, thinking about you know his stories about his dogs and how good they were that's why i do this and it, you know everybody has their reasons for why they hunt and why they do what they do but make it a good reason you know don't just do it to be cool why do you want to do it you know what are you in it for make and, it worth it and like on the other side of that the first time I went waterfowl hunting wasn't even with a family member. It wasn't a family member that got me interested in hunting. Now, yeah, my dad did take me out deer hunting for the first time, and it, it sparked the interest in the hunting. And then I had a buddy who, you know, he's a few years older than me. We had, a, I think, a tech ed class together in high school. And he's like, man, he's like, we'll go out duck hunting. You know, he had friends up in Chestertown, which is another rich historic area for gunning and stuff. Um, we'll go up there, try to shoot some ducks, whatever. Well, on the way home, it was unsuccessful because, I mean, we we're just a couple high school kids at that point. Didn't know what we were doing. Well, there was property that we had permission to, or he had permission to anyway. He was like, all right, we can go down there. We'll walk the ditch, see if there's any ducks in the ditch, you know. <coughs> Excuse me, and uh, oh, jeez, but um, no, we walked the ditch and uh, just seen if there's any ducks. And the first duck I ever shot was a blue wing teal. Jumped nice. up, jumped up out of the ditch, smoked it. My buddy, you know, Jimmy, just Jimmy, shout Jimmy. out to Jimmy, shout out to Jimmy Busick. Uh, he's probably sleeping because he's a union electrician. Okay, yeah. All right. No, he's, yeah, I doubt it. But I'll make sure. All right. Yeah, go I'll, on. I'll tell him to get to it. Oh, yeah, what? Well, they got me all flustered on that. 
Oh, but yeah, you know, like I was saying, the opposite of Matt, it wasn't family that got me into it, but just growing up around here, meeting some people, um, meeting some of the older guys, even meeting Matt, you know, he's real big into sea duck hunting. I've been a few times, fortunate enough to go out with some friends and stuff that, you know, asked me to come along. This sucker's die hard for it. It's ridiculous, <laughs> you know. That's what he, even Boomer back there on the couch, that's what he lives and breathes for. And just having friends that have that drive and that energy. And literally one of my best friends, you know, shout out to Mark Helios. My man. You know, he lives, you know, grew up in northern Illinois, just down home, dirt, gritty. You know, he's old enough to meet my dad, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Sorry, Mark. But he's one of my best friends, and that's just because of the waterfowl community. That's right. I met him, you know, five, six years ago. Yeah. And Think about it. Kevin and I wouldn't be here six and a half hours away training dogs and running ducks. And now next year, shoot or shoot, shoot or shoot, shoot or shoot. But we wouldn't be here doing what we do without a social media, which is crazy. Oh, but God, think about ridiculous it. Now. This is what we I live for it. And I, I made a living out of it. And and then all of a sudden, Matt invites us down, and now I meet Josh, and Kevin gets to come along, and Kevin gets to meet all these people, and our dogs all get to play together, and we get to shoot ducks that we don't get in New York, all around waterfowl hunting. And I feel like the guys who were market gunners in the 18 and 1900s, dude, they would look down on us and be like, it's different. They're, they're, you're, you're, you're still doing it. doing it. You're doing it for the right reason. You love it. But back then, it, it was literally their way of life. I can promise you that they didn't have flat-brimmed hats. But No, cool. it was a way of life for them. That's it how was. they made their money. That's how they made you know? their money. And that, But I would argue that even though they made their money at it, like honestly, like we make they our money it. at it, they enjoyed, they enjoyed it. doing it. Yeah. They enjoyed the spirit of it. They enjoyed... What would they say? You don't you don't work a day in your life if you love doing it, you know? Dude, I feel like we should end the podcast right there. That's 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 powerful. That's Bob and my entire mantra for why we do what we do. You don't Bob and I don't have a full time job. We have a full time job, but we don't because we love doing what we do. Training lifestyle. dogs. It's it, it's a lifestyle. We wake up every day happy to to go to work because we don't know that we're working. Is it perfect? No. Never. Is it pee in the crate? Is it diarrhea? Is it going to the vet? Is it is it, you know, dogs that don't want to pick up ducks? Is it a struggle? Yes. But every single day we wake up and we don't we don't have to worry about anything but training dogs. And I think what what makes us drive hundreds of miles to you know Josh? I asked Josh earlier today, "Where's your favorite place to hunt?" Nebraska. Nebraska. Son of a gun lives by the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> Nebraska. And he loves Nebraska. But shout, shout out, to out, my buddy, my bu- shout out to my buddy Blake Poppy in Alex Nebraska, Poppy out there, out there in and Nebraska. Then, uh, my buddy Ethan Kirk up there in Scotts Bluff. Right, and he has traveled the. Um, entire north america 
shooting birds and the people he's met and the dogs he's probably watched work and all the memories he's made and all the pictures he's taken and all the species he's killed and everything that compounds it. And he's 26. Okay. All right. He said 25. He's almost 26. Right. It's like, I'm still, I'm still 31. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's just, he's a young man and he's had life experience because of waterfowl hunting. And it's a really cool, cool thing. So here's how I'd like to end this podcast. Oh, Matt, Matt would like to actually, yeah, I I, would like to do it. Yeah. And I'm going to give it to Matt in a second. These guys, Matt, Josh, Josh's boss, Corey from Talbot County Outfitters. Talbot, Talbot, Talbot County Outfitters, and we've tagged him in our post, and we're going to continue to, so please do me a solid if you're listening to this podcast. Follow them. They kill big old bucks, and they kill waterfowl here on the eastern shore. They're great, great, great people. They're hospitable. They're kind. They're funny. They took care of my brother and I and our dogs. And I want to give a huge thank you. So if you are listening and can do me a favor, please follow them. If you're interested in hunting here, give them a shout. They're going to hook you up. Yeah, I, I really have to, you know, kind of reiterate everything Bob said and and not just a piece but just eat the whole pie of humble pie um you know the past few days without honestly without Corey Etnier Talbot County Outfitters I would have been been between the proverbial rock and a hard place everything that could have went wrong went wrong for me and Corey bailed me out and you you just don't get a better person than that um, so, you know, he, he, he got us on birds today. He's going to get us on birds tomorrow. You know, my boat broke down. We're, we're dealing with that, but, um, can't, can't say enough about it. He, you know how they come up with that? And I don't even know where it comes from, but salt of the earth. Th- that's, that's, that's Corey. what they are. That's dude. Corey. These people, salt of the earth. these guys down here took a couple Yankees from central New York, hosted us and showed us ducks. And we had a great time. So, if you want to check it out, Talbot. Talbot. As as the the Yankees would say, Talbot County Outfitters. T-A-L-B-O-T County Outfitters, all one word. Check it out on Instagram and Facebook. Google them. You won't be disappointed. Shooting bucks, shooting ducks. What town is it? St. Michael's, Maryland, okay? And here's how we're going to leave it. Tomorrow morning, we're going to the pit blind. And our man Josh is going to tickle the geese. He's going to tickle them. They're coming through the mist, baby. Just a little tickle. Just a little tickle. They're, They're coming. All right. They're off in the distance. They're off in the distance, okay? They're getting excited. They're coming in. They're getting in. They're coming. 
They're coming. Get it. Get it. Get it. Get it. Thank you. All right, everybody. We are signing out. Thank you for listening. Hit the subscribe. Click the five star. You know where to find us at Lone Duck on Instagram at Goose underscore Creek underscore Sika, which is S I K A, Kevin. <laughs> and he's not a stoner, but he's a stoner. Josh Stoner. Josh Stoner. At, it's his at, last name. At Stoner Fowl. Stoner one foul. word on Instagram. And at Talbot County Outfitters, all one word on Instagram. Guys, thank you for listening. We love this podcast. We love this hunt. Give us a follow. Subscribe. Thank you. We appreciate you guys coming down here and hanging out with us. And let's uh, see what we can do in the morning. Let's let it rip. Hey, if you haven't done it already, jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you enjoy the show and want to want to support the show, if this show has helped you and your dog grow together, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, it's like buying me and Kevin a beer and you get more one-on-one from me. You get content that doesn't hit Instagram or YouTube and it enters you to win a free hunt with me and Kevin in Missouri this duck season. So jump on, links in the description. We'd be happy to have you and love to help you. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.